0: Oh, it offends me to the soul to hear a robust, just periwig painted fellow tear a passion to tatters, to very rags, to split the ears of the groundlings who, for the most part, are capable of nothing but inexplicable dumb shows and noise.
1: Well, Henny, you better hang on to your bare vodka, because you're going to hate this. It's John Malden, your host, The Inexplicable Dumb Show, starting now. Hi and welcome to episode 681 of the Inexplicable Dumb Show. I'm John Malden. And this week I have an interview with McKenna Steele, Christian Randall, and Brad Oxnum. And we're going to talk about Watershed Public Theater's production of Romeo and Juliet. So we're going to get into that conversation just after, you guessed it, these brief messages. Hey, do you want to be part of the Dumb Show? Do you like what you hear? You got a thought about it? You want to express that thought? Then please do so by calling the voicemail line at 615-866-1282. Or put your thoughts in an email, podcast at com, Or follow the show on Twitter at inexplicableDS, at capital I, inexplicable capital D, capital S. Find out the latest comings and goings and whatnot for the show via our Twitter feed. So, let's get on with the interview.
2: I am someone you will probably never meet. Yet I ask you to take time to to think about people you don't know but need your help. Children, some of them. them. And they don't all play in the gutter, of
3: course. course.
2: Well, maybe
3: if it's called for.
1: These These men, men, women, and yes, yes, even the children children are professional professional actors. They want and need your time, money, and support. For For just just pennies a second, second, you can can enjoy the fruits of their labor. Make sure they know you heard about them on the, inexplicable, on the inexplicable, inexplicable dumb show. Dumb show. On the inexplicable they may look at you funny, show. but that doesn't matter. It's for the children. It's,
3: it's for, for the, for the children. children. It's time once again for some deep theater. All right,
1: ID answers. I'm going to. I've got Brad Oxnam. I've got McKenna Steele. I've got Christian Randall. Uh, all part of and myself, but all part of uh, Watershed <laughs> Public Theater's production of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, so Brad is the director, and um, what are you, the editor of the script? Is that how, how do you, you want to say start that? Out? Yeah, script editor. Sure. So uh, and then <laughs> Go for uh, it. McKenna is playing Mercutia and the mayor. Yes. And then Christian is our 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 Romeo. Romeo drive. Romeo. And you're my dad. (laughs) Boogie, boogie, boogie. I'm the father. (laughs) Uh, So uh, welcome, guys. How are we doing? Great. Great. Cool. So, uh, Brad, I want to start with you first. Okay. Uh, So like you said, you kind of uh, was a script editor. So what led you into some of the cuttings? What was the decision? What was the driving factor for you in editing the Romeo and Juliet?
0: Well, in editing the script, my biggest thing was telling the story as clearly as possible for our audiences. And with Shakespeare, I know they can get into uh, certain references that are kind of like, heady, they're very academic, they're, they'd be great for people who, you know, follow Shakespeare, for, who would know Romeo and Juliet, uh, by, by rote. But there were a few places where I was like, okay, we can get rid of references to like, you know, Greek deities, or, uh, since we weren't gonna have it on stage, things like, uh, Juliet's monologue where she talks a lot about like seeing Tivolt's dead body come up and like attack Romeo. Uh, I was just like, yeah, I don't think they're going to get this. So even though they're somewhat famous speeches, I cut those down to very, very short. And then, of course, then there's just like redundancy uh, characters that come on and tell you exactly what just happened on stage. It's kind of redundant. So the whole Friar monologue at the end where he goes on for two and a half pages, I cut down to four lines. <laughs> so it's just like, you know what, that's enough. Uh, so it was really just about, expediting the script and making it really compact succinct tell the story and tell it artfully but I did keep in probably the more famous lines here and there of course I don't think I cut much at all in the balcony scene if that makes a difference our balcony our less balcony scene I should say our sans sin, balcony scene sin. our bal- <laughs> balcony balcony
1: scene who needs a balcony come on it's not Romeo and Juliet no, not at just- all need a porch that's right uh, so is there something that was left out did you did you that you thought oh what was the tough what was the hardest decision in cutting
3: Hmm.
0: I don't think I had any. Really <laughs> you're like, get it
3: out of here. Thing.
0: Yeah, seriously. Done. I looked at, I looked at it and then we got into rehearsals and there were things I was like, you know what? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It just elongates the play. People are tripping over some words. So here, go ahead and cut it. And then I had some people say, well, now this doesn't make sense. So I looked at it again and said, okay, yeah, you're right. Let's put some lines back in. And, Whatever helped the actors best. So, if as long as it stayed within the scansion of the line, as long as it still made sense in the story, I wasn't that hard up about like taking away or putting back in lines so I just said what's the most artful thing here uh, and what's the best way to tell this story as quickly as possible I have a point of pride that we've kept this play at about 2 hours and 15 minutes with an intermission so, <laughs> uh, that is a big point of pride for, uh, for a Shakespeare play
2: yeah that's really hard <laughs> <laughs> right
0: I've sat through the 3.5 to 4 hour Shakespeare shows that is not my plan as a director here you go <laughs>
1: Romeo, and fly here. We're going quick. <laughs> uh, so, of the only people in this podcast right now that play multiple roles, uh, McKinnon, what's what it like for you to go back and forth? And how, how? What is your key for each character? You have? Do you have a, 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 some sort of uh, acting thought or image in your head that you go, okay, now I'm, I'm, you know, Mercutia. Now I'm the mayor and what helps you snap into each character since they do have the changes sometimes do happen quick?
2: Yes, I think a lot of my thought process in going into playing the two different characters is especially since with this one, the mayor and Mercutia um, are basically we're saying they're sisters. Um, and so for that, I kind of put it into the thought of, okay, maybe they're twin sisters, but they're just like, when you have those twins that are just completely opposite of each other, of knowing that Mercutia probably hates that her sister is so stern and very rule, like rule heavy, like you need to follow the rules. Um, and that's what helped her to get to a mayoral position. Um, And so kind of trying to just really lean heavy into the opposites of each character. Um, And, oh, and that helped, especially with a lot of the lines that each character says, it's really easy to just kind of help to get into that headspace of Mercutia is just free spirit, just does whatever she wants, no cares at all in the world. And then, you know, having the mayor come in of, Hey, these are the rules. Don't break them. Everything needs to be this specific way. Just very stern and not serious, but just uh, likes things to be the way that they need to be. (laughs) And just (laughs) listen to what I say and we'll be good. So it's kind of helpful that the lines that
1: each character says help with that. And which one do you more personally align with?
2: Um, definitely Mercutia. (laughs) I tend to not like to follow rules, but then I'll feel guilty for not following the rules. And then I'll go and apologize later. But in the moment, I am very hot on my feet, not thinking about any decisions, not thinking about what I'm saying or the consequences. And then having to deal with the consequences later. Luckily, my consequences are not as uh, serious as Mercutia's, but I definitely fall into that line of character.
1: (laughs) Christian, do you agree? Uh, I don't know if it's safe to agree. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, man. Uh, for those that don't know, you guys are married. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so that's why I asked that question. I didn't mean to get you in trouble, Christian. <laughs>
2: uh, too late. Dude, He's always I, in trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I thought, you know, so yeah, might as well ask fault. the question. <laughs> um, what, what more harm? Yeah. What's one more foul? Um, <laughs> so, Christian, uh, taking on the role of Romeo,
3: slight work, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's easy. It's nothing. It's... it's <laughs> it's very taxing. It's very difficult. Um, I love storytelling, uh, in all its forms, acting just was one of the easier ones to break into, uh, because I'm a very bad speller. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so for me, acting has always been about the story and about telling it in a way that the audience understands it. Uh, as an actor, the struggle for me is memorizing all of those lines. There's so many words and they need to be so exact, especially with Shakespeare. <laughs> You've got to stay in that rhythm. You've got to make sure you rhyme when you do and don't, when you don't. Uh, so there's just, uh, that's definitely the hardest part, but honestly, once we got those books out of our hands and once I started feeling comfortable with it, we are really lucky in this cast, uh, there's just so much talent and people are really just generous on stage and easy to work with. And so it's been, the acting part hasn't been so much of a struggle. It's been great to just play and, and get it up on its feet and tell the story. And so far people that have come, that I've, I've talked to have said they've understood it and that, that is the biggest compliment I think we can get, is I
2: understand it. That's the biggest success <laughs> of Shakespeare. Yeah.
3: Oh, that does my heart good to <laughs> hear
1: Well, at least we, you know we're not in England where the old biddies come out with their favorite version of Shakespeare's script and follow along while the play goes on.
3: Uh-huh, and uh. frown every time a word is, is wrong yeah. or right. the it's scansion isn't It's involved. not what they, they say in the first it.
1: folio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But they've added a comma, for the heathens. I could tell he didn't pronounce that capitalized.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very much Disgraceful. So, uh, so I'm going to ask uh, uh, all of you, and you go around the, go around the circle here, um, is there a highlight? Is there a moment? Like, if you're going to tell your friends or your family, And it doesn't have to be a moment for you or your characters, but is there a moment in this this production that you're like, this, you have to watch this. Pay attention for this.
0: Just because it's like picking a favorite child, I'm
3: going to let the actors go first. (laughs) (laughs) I have one that jumps to mind for sure. Uh, And it is, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like I'm bragging, but it's it's a scene that I'm in because I'm in most of them, so... <laughs> well, Abby,
1: you know, your name's in the title for crying out loud. You say yeah, your name the me. most in the show.
3: Um, but it's actually, it's not one with Juliet. It's with the friar. Uh,
2: Scott! <laughs> uh-huh.
3: Scott, who plays our friar, is magnificent. He is so fun to play across from. So inventive and expressive. And I only do... I think three scenes with him, but there are three of my favorite scenes, but I think the one that jumps out to me is the very first scene that he and I have together where he is saying, you know, who is this new person you love? Did you forget about your old love? And he just, he eats that scene up. And (laughs) I love playing in that scene with him every night because he just, ah, he, he kills it. And it is so fun to see him and just to play across from him. Awesome. McKenna, what's your version?
2: Um, I'm terrible. I love all the scenes that I'm in because they're so fun because (laughs) it's not any serious part of the play. It's just goofing. And I just enjoy that. But if I had to pick a specific moment, it's unfortunate. I don't think it's actually one that the audience, like they get to see it, but they don't get to see it from my perspective. Um, and I was telling J.R. Knowles, who plays Tybalt, um, I was telling him about this yesterday, actually, is when the scene when Tybalt comes on and is like, ah, but one word with one of you. And the way that he enters with the fog right behind him, and he's got his hands in front of him, he's got this big old top hat on, and he's just looks 10 feet tall entering in, looks so villainous and Western. And I want our photographer to get a picture of it because it looks so cool. And every single time he walks on stage for this scene, I'm like, oh, yes, he gets to kill me. (laughs) And I feel so cool. And that's it's not from a perspective of the audience, but just that brief interaction before... Our fight is probably one of my favorite moments of the play, just because it's just spitting insults
3: at each other, and it's fun. So when you say you're not on stage for any serious moments, you mean Mercushi is not on stage? (laughs) Yeah. The mayor's definitely. Oh
2: favorite. yeah, Mercutio. Sorry,
1: the mayor is nothing in serious moments. But that's why she. And been the mayor works great. with she's me a lot, so uh, <laughs> uh, I, that right. should have been uh, you know <laughs> <done>. <laughs> she's just your so highlight here. <laughs> you
2: <know. laughs> yeah, that's what I would say probably.
0: Cool. All right, Brad. Yeah me up well actually let's turn the tables on you what's your favorite scene in this play what's
1: your favorite Ooh. bit oh the curtain call uh, <laughs> no I like uh to be fair to be fair, no I'm kidding uh working That's with Kay. Uh, yeah. Working with Kay and our our intense interchanges of hate towards one another <laughs> is natural. Um, <laughs> no, I love Kay. I love Kay. She's so wonderful. But she she brings such an intensity, and it's kind of like you were saying, easy to play off of with with Scott and, and you, uh, Christian. Kay, Kay Kay's my Scott. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm following. So it, it's fun to see. Just you know, when you're given something to work with, and you can give it back, it's really fun. Oh. Now Brad.
0: Well, now Brad. Okay. You're the last one in the room. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Everyone uh, dies. Yeah. <laughs> God. You know, when I'm an actor in uh shows, it's really kinda simple for me to pick like one, but this is one of the few shows that I've directed where I'm like I really have a hard time picking favorite moments because I really do think there's like several really good pieces throughout this. Like, whole show, whether it's the opening fight, I'm really proud of how that turned out, whether it's the, uh, the Queen Mab scene that we've worked on, whether it's the drunk scene that follows the party scene, whether it's like, uh, the moments in the party scene were like, Tybalt's getting upset, and Kay and Lady Capulet has to calm him down, and then Romeo and Juliet have their like first meeting. The whole balcony scene, I absolutely love. Just the fact that oh, we made a along myself, the actors, and the intimacy director made a scene that is both touching and gripping, and all without a stupid balcony. (laughs) So if I was like, uh, like that's a point of pride to me. I will. So
1: we need to work through your balcony hate,
0: (laughs) right? Yeah, pretty much. A
1: a or not really a phobia. It
0: was just more of like, well, everybody does a balcony scene. Let me try something different. And I figured out, well, why do we? Plus, in the setting we've set it, we've set it in kind of a Hatfield McCoy fictional Appalachian territory. Not a lot of balconies out in <laughs> Appalachia. So some widow's peaks, but there's not like, uh, or, or what do they call them? The widow's roost or whatever they uh, yeah. used to call them. Yeah. So they would, have those places, but I don't remember seeing a lot of balconies, uh, in that time period or setting. So I was like, well, let's just try it as if they're in the backyard and just talking to each other in the dark. And it worked, it worked beautifully. But in, I do love the friar scenes. I love the Mercutia death scene. I love Romeo's final moment in the first, uh, half of the show or Everything comes crashing down. I love the fact that they're, you know, even all the way up to the end with, uh, you know, with Romeo and Juliet dead. And then it's got Lord Montague and Lady Capulet having a, a, uh, a, not necessarily a ceasefire, but there is a coming together. And just the way the design worked out, you two are under the spotlights above your kids. And it's just like a beautiful, like, image to end on. <laughs> so it's super hard for me to truly pick, like, a, a favorite moment because there. are uh, oh, and there's a, a little bit of, like, okay, I literally, like, gave actors stuff from my life to use into the play just to help them with their characterizations. And, dude, it's so powerful every time. So uh, it is just something I, you know, put a little... Pride Pin in. Uh, I actually mentioned in the program my directing professor from Southern Mississippi. He passed away in February, and he's been kind of like over my shoulder the whole time that I've been directing this play. He was the one that really made me love Shakespeare, and I'd I'd like to think we did him proud with this one because it's a very solid show. It would be something I think even he would be like scratching his beard, going like, "Mm hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I see what you did there, Brad. Okay, sure."
2: <laughs> no balcony, interesting.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, he would say that. He would be like, mm-hmm, "No balcony, okay, bold, that's a choice. choice. That's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> that is a choice." Yeah, okay. Well, let's let's ride with that. Okay.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, he would
0: be. Uh, no, I was gonna say he in uh, when he directed Much Ado About Nothing, which was like my first real big introduction to Shakespeare. I'd done one show before that, and it was terrible. This one was the first good Shakespeare I'd done, and uh, I'll never forget one. Uh, I was playing Leonardo in in a later scene where I'm supposed to like harass one of the two like evil henchmen that, you know, uh, committed, uh, basically helped the villain, uh, break up my daughter's engagement, uh, the other actor wasn't giving much, so the, he took me aside and said, I want you to just, uh, push him a little, maybe, uh, maybe fake him out a bit, see what you can do. So I, I pretended to hit the dude, uh, like reared back to slap him, and sure enough, that actor started like, Doing exactly what he needed
1: to do in the scene, yeah. like oh Brad's oh. on it. Oh shoot! Oh. Uh, so you advocate the, violence in the rehearsal process? Yeah. He said, "Don't." He literally
0: said, "Like, don't physically hurt him, but maybe make him think you will. <laughs> Just see what goes." So, bless no Luke, permanent so.
1: marks. No permanent marks. <laughs> no permanent
0: marks. Right. But, but yeah, he was an incredibly effective director. So, and I hope we were able to do the same thing for this cast uh, So with all the the input that I tried to get for this show. Uh, but, yeah, I'm very proud of the whole thing. It's hard for me seriously to pick a favorite moment.
1: Okay. Well, we got Christian in trouble earlier, so now... Oh, boy. It's McKenna's <laughs> turn to get in trouble. I never dun, get in dun, trouble. Dun, dun, dun. You need to rate your husband's scale of wooing one to ten. With on stage.
2: Okay. I was about like, Ugh, in in what context? In real life uh, a two. A two at best. Well like that's best you guys time. can work through that, but I'm just saying we'll we'll do that therapy session later. No, um he does it. First off,
1: first off, before you rate, is is it weird to watch your husband woo another woman on stage?
2: You know, I thought I would be a little bit better about it than I have been, but um, no, it's interesting. I mean, since we've been together, I've had to uh, be in a show where I have to kiss somebody or where I'm in a relationship with somebody. And it's very interesting because I think that first time I was like, oh, this is going to be weird. But then when I was doing it, I was like, this is just a job. And I can tell that's cool. Um, and so I mean, there are still some times where I'm like, oh, this is weird, but I, I think after a certain <laughs> point, your brain just shuts it off and just right. is like, oh, I'm just not in this scene, so I'm just gonna sit here and read my book. And but
1: he, how to assassinate the other woman, page <laughs> 52, but no.
2: Christian is one of my favorite people to watch on stage. And I'm not just saying that as a wife, but I think he is fantastic. He gives so much in his scenes and you can tell that when he is trying to, you know, be romantic in the scenes and he gives it a hundred percent that sometimes it's too convincing. Mm. And he's no, he did. He's fantastic. I, he, makes it new every night, and just really catches your attention in all the best ways. Aww.
3: This is not fair. We were going to get you in trouble, and I got in trouble again. <laughs> 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 well, I would say that was in
1: trouble. I mean, it was... <laughs> no. No. You know, complimentary. So Absolutely. That was very sweet. So. <laughs>
2: Thanks, I can be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Brad. So what do we have left on performance-wise, and how can we get tickets? Well, I know that uh,
0: this coming weekend is our last weekend, so that's the 23rd, 24th, 25th. Uh, it will be 7 o'clock p.m. on Friday and Saturday. It will be 3 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, I should mention it's at the Cherry Theater at Columbia State C- Community College. College in Columbia, Tennessee uh, in the Hickman Building. And uh, fair warning, at least this past weekend, it was very chilly in the theater, so Just please come uh, come bundled up or uh, the price of blankets may rise at intermission. Uh, <laughs> so at least uh, that was my suggestion anyway. Uh, you can get tickets at watershedpublictheater.org
1: Of course, I'll have links to that in the show notes page for this particular episode at www.inexplicabletomshow.com Com. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank
2: you, John.
3: Thank you.
1: If you love the Inexplicable Dumb Show as much as I do, don't be shy about it. Go ahead and wear your feelings on your sleeve, or at least your chest. Head on over to our Cafe Press store and wear your support for the IDS proudly. www.cafepress.com slash dumbshow. All right, so that is it. I'd like to thank McKenna Steele, Christian Randall, Brad Oxnum for stopping by to chat about Watershed Public Theater's production of Romeo and Juliet. Ticket information discussed in the body of this podcast will be found on the show notes page for this particular episode at www.inexplicabledumshow.com. Have you got a thought about this episode? You want to share it? Call the voicemail line at 615-866-1282 or put your thoughts in an email podcast at inexplicabledumbshow.com and so next time, we're going to have Return of the IDS Summer Rep. We'll have a new IDS Summer Rep series episode. So until next time, this is John Maldon saying, hey, we'll see ya. Bye.
2: Are you a music lover? Then let Magnatune dazzle you with how different we are from the rest of the music industry. Interesting independent artists in diverse genres. Perfect quality wave files in addition to MP3s and many other formats. Instant album downloads or traditional CDs by mail with free shipping. All this and half of every sale goes directly to the artist. So visit us now at magnatune.com. That's M-A-G-N-A-T-U-N-E. Magnitude. We are not evil.
1: Blueberry.
0: This podcast is a member of the Blueberry Network. Blueberry. No East. That's Blueberry,
3: B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Blueberry.com.
0: Pop Alternative Media.